It is great to be here. When Keith uh, texted me a couple weeks ago asking if I could be here, my immediate response was, yes, I would love to, uh, to help in any way. Um, Keith and this church are an important part of my own story of faith in Jesus, and Keith has been a big part of both my life and my wife's life and our family's life, and so it's great to be back and to reconnect with Christ Community Church. If you're new to Christ Community, I just want to say on behalf of Keith, welcome and I'm really glad that you're here. I do hope uh, that this is an opportunity for you to connect with people in a meaningful way and to build friendships and to build community. I was thinking uh, as we were singing that last song about how beautiful, how beautiful, how beautiful, and, and I was looking at um, the words how beautiful, and I, and I admit for a, for a second there I was thinking what is it that is beautiful? What is it that I'm saying is how beautiful? And the song was beautiful, but I was asking myself, what is it that is beautiful? And what's beautiful is this, that God is in the process of reconciling creation with his kingdom. He's in the process of redeeming men and women into the life of his son, Jesus. And it is, in fact, his mercy that's at work in and through our lives that's not just for us, but for the sake of the world that many, many people would come to know Jesus. And so what's beautiful this morning is that God is redeeming and reconciling the world to himself so that at one point in the future, people from every tribe, tongue, language, nation, and people would stand before the throne of God and say, Jesus is Lord. That's what's beautiful this morning. I want to tell you about a friend of mine. His name is Hao Jun Fao. And he uh, is a Chinese student at Auburn University. Uh, I mispronounced his name. His name is Hao Fun Zhao. And um, he's been coming to our church. We're a new church in Auburn, and we've just been meeting for a few months. And this this friend of mine, whose English name is MJ, uh, he's been coming to church. Now, MJ is new to America. Um, His family still lives in China in a city called Tianjin. And MJ's family actually has a Muslim background. So MJ's grandmother is part of a minority group of Muslim people within China, but MJ grew up in a culturally Muslim home within China. And as MJ has been coming to church, uh, one of the things that MJ has been observing about our church is that every week in our particular service, we stop for a moment and we pray for unreached people that live around the world. And so while MJ has been coming to our services, we prayed for people in Turkey, we've prayed for people in Afghanistan, we've prayed for people within China, we've prayed for people within northern India. So every week we just stop and pause and for two or three minutes we pray for a specific group of people that have yet to be reached with the gospel. Now, MJ has been coming to our church faithfully as a non-believer. So MJ is not a Christian, but MJ has been coming to our church. And a few weeks ago at community group, uh, MJ was at our home. There were about 15 or 20 men and we were gathered that evening. And I was in a small group with MJ and he said, uh, he said, Pastor Matt, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure, ask me whatever you want. And he goes, so I've been watching what you do, and I've been watching what you, what you pray, and what I've noticed is that you really believe this is true. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, yes, I do. I do believe this is true. He said, no, he goes, he said, I've been to other churches, but this is what's interesting for me. He said, when you pray for other people, that aren't at your church to come to know Jesus, that tells me you actually believe it's true. He said, when you pray for people in other countries far, far, far away, that they would come to know Jesus, what that tells me is that you actually believe that Jesus 
is real, that it's really true. And I said, MJ, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And I want you to know that God loves you. It's true that God loves you. And, and I think MJ is close. I think he's really close to making that transition from seeking to find God to actually finding God's grace and mercy in his life. Why do I share that? I share that because the way that we pray is evangelistic in nature. Now, this is, this is a crazy thought, but when you pray and there are people observing how you pray, not as a show, not in theatrics, but just in the genuine expression of your life, it's possible it's possible that people will come to know Jesus simply by observing how you pray, which begs the question, how do we pray? And see, I think a lot of times as people, we are centered around our own lives. And A.W. Tozer said this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Okay, so what we think when we think about God is the most important thing about us because that was made for eternity. You were made for eternity. I was made for eternity. And when we think about God, what we think about God is extremely, extremely important because our belief will reflect itself in behavior. And I want to spend a few minutes talking about the Lord's Prayer this morning, specifically the first half of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand up and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus is addressing people that would love to pontificate and make these loud, long prayers so that people would see. And that's not what MJ has been seeing, okay? He continues on and he says this, verse 7, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus says, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the first half of the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That entire part of the prayer is aimed where? Here? No. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And the reason why Jesus is saying, um, when you pray, pray this way, is because when our prayers begin with God, when our prayers begin with who He is and what we want Him to do for His namesake and for His kingdom, that changes what we're ultimately praying about. And here's the thing, you were made by God and for God, but because of sin, we tend to think about us for us. And a lot of times, even when we pray, it's give me, bless me, heal me, protect me, preserve me, lead me, guide me, give me, give me, give me. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 when you pray, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this morning, I just want to gently challenge you to think about how you pray 
and what you pray? And is it possible that we need to rethink our prayers in light of what Jesus has said? And is it, would it be possible for us to begin our prayer life with what God has done, what He is doing, and what He is about? Now, big picture, this is what we need to remember. Okay, There's going to come a point in time where, say, 100 years from now, all new people on the earth. Okay, 100 years from now, all new people. All right, And so we have to think from an eternal perspective, what is it that God is in the process of doing? Here's what He's in the process of doing. He is establishing His rule and reign on earth among every tribe, language, nation, and people because eternally we will be around His throne forever. That's the big picture. So we need to step into the life of the big picture and lift our gaze for a moment off of exactly what's going on in our life so that we can participate in His greater and more glorious purposes throughout all of the earth. That's what Jesus is trying to get at. So as we talk through the Lord's Prayer, I just want to focus briefly on those four things. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, This first part, our Father in heaven. Okay, the truth is what? There are no perfect fathers here on earth. And if you're a dad in the room, I'm sure you're well aware of your imperfections. I'm aware of my imperfections. I'm a father of seven actually a father of eight. We've lost a son um, due to um, adoption and and illness. And uh, so I have one son in heaven and seven children here on earth. And I can tell you that as a father, there's no greater opportunity for me to mess up my children, right, than if I do a poor job of connecting my imperfections with the perfections of God. Okay, now I want to be a great dad. And I think I am a great dad, to be honest with you but I'm not a perfect dad. And when I fail and when I do make mistakes, my opportunity is to always, always point to the perfections of God as a father. Right? There are no earthly fathers that are perfect. And so as dads, we have the opportunity to either point our children to the perfections of God and be honest and admit our mistakes and our own shortcomings, or we can download a false theology into our children's lives and then they will think that their father in heaven is just a bigger version of us. But our Father in heaven is not a bigger version of us. He is the perfect version of all that we want to be. And so the path to freedom as a dad is to always be pointing to God who is a perfect father. And if you've experienced difficulty, pain, or sorrow from your earthly dad, the path to freedom is forgiveness and remembering that he is your perfect father in heaven. Again, remember what Tozer said at the beginning of this idea that what we think when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The reason why is because if we had a terrible earthly father and then we start to pray our father in heaven, what would we do? We would immediately connect the shortcomings of an earthly dad to unfairly to a father in heaven who's completely perfect and not like the failings of our earthly fathers. J.I. Packer says this, to those who belong to Christ, The holy God is a loving Father. They belong to His family. They may approach Him without fear and always be sure of His fatherly concern and care. This is the heart of the New Testament message. Tim Keller says this about God as our Father. He says, The only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. And we have that kind of access with God as our Father. Um, I think about the lessons that I've learned just as a father And when I think about um, how much I love my children, and I do, infinitely more does he love me. And when I begin to think about his love for me, 
that translates into a greater, purer, uh, more unconditional love being expressed to my children and in my family. The same way is true when I see our children wanting to do something for me or with me, I, I hold it up to the lens of a God who's a perfect father. Um, this week, I took my 10-year-old son, Luke, to Disney World. Now, I was driving, I was paying, I was leading, I was guiding, I had a goal, okay, but he was with me the whole time. Now, it was, it was my idea, I was the one that was really leading it, but he was the one that was participating in it. I knew exactly what we were doing, but he was along for the ride. And within the we're going to Disney World, he had complete and total freedom. Luke, where would you like to eat? What ride would you like to go on? What do you want to see? Do you want to stop? Do you want to keep going? Would you like ice cream? Would you not? What, see, do you understand the picture here? In my purpose of taking him to Disney World, he had total and complete freedom. But it was within my purpose of taking him to Disney World, and it is that way on an infinite scale with you. His purpose is to build a kingdom that exalts and loves Jesus. And within that purpose and kingdom, you and I have total freedom to go. So I'm going to go here in Jesus' name and there in Jesus' name. I'm going to make a difference in this place in Jesus' name. But it's still his purpose that will not be thwarted for your life. That's his word to you. And so you have great freedom today to say, you know what, I'm going to go out of the parking lot, turn right, and I'm going to then turn left and then go eat at Captain D's today in Jesus' name. I don't know if anyone actually eats at Captain D's, but if you do, good luck to you. Or it may be Long John Silver. Something is down that way. But listen, in the purposes of God, you have freedom to go to Long John Silver's or Captain D's today. Someone should go eat there because I don't think anyone goes and eats there anymore. But you could go there today, and in the purpose of honoring God with your life, you could go and bless someone in Jesus' name there. It's still His purpose, but you have freedom within that purpose. And that's what I want you to see today, that you can relate to God with freedom because He's given His very best to you and His Son, Jesus. J.I. Packer says this, he said, He has so made us that we find our own deepest fulfillment and our highest joy in hallowing His name by praise and honor and submission. So that second part of the prayer, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed, has anyone used the word hallowed lately? Probably not, okay? Unless you're from England, and even then, I doubt it. Um, but the word hallow means to treat us holy, to treat us distinct, to set aside for a holy purpose. And so what we're really saying is, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. We want to treat your name as holy. Now, um, I shared this idea with our family a few weeks ago of asking the question, what does it mean to hallow God's name? Right? And one of the easiest ways to hallow, you're going to be really encouraged by this, one of the easiest ways to hallow his name is to thank God for your food. And that seems so silly, but when we stop to pause and say, God, thank you for this meal, what we're actually doing is treating his name as holy. Big picture, to hallow his name means to see his handiwork in creation, to see his handiwork in provision, to see what he has done in the ways he has cared for you in addition to see what he has done to save you. But to hallow his name begins with simply acknowledging he's there. And so again, in great freedom, think about it in this way. You can hallow his name simply by waking up and saying, good morning, Lord, thank you for another day. 
You can hallow his name by saying, God, thank you for this bowl of Cheerios. You can hallow his name when you walk out and you see the green blades of grass in your yard. If you have a yard, you can say, God, thank you for your creation. You can hallow his name when you look in the sun at the day. You can hallow his name when you see the moon and stars at night. That's what it means to hallow his name. And sometimes I think we, we uh, overcomplicate what it means to hallow his name. But the reality is hallowing his name simply means acknowledging what he's done and what he's given to you. And it's given me a new way of thinking about blessing the food, right? If you've grown up in a Christian environment and you've grown up saying thank you for this food a thousand times in your lifetime or a hundred thousand times in your lifetime, it becomes a little familiar, but it's like, no, actually, I'm hallowing your name by saying thank you for this meal. And somehow when I think about when Jesus is saying this is how you pray to hallow his name, that gives me great motivation to go, Somehow, when we stop and say, God, thank you for peanut butter sandwiches, we are honoring his name. And what's in us to do, actually, to honor his name? We want to honor his name. And a simple way of honoring his name is just acknowledging his presence and acknowledging his provision in our lives, in addition to acknowledging that he is the one that has saved us because we do not save ourselves. One of the greatest ways to hallow his name is to think about what he has saved you from and what he has saved you for. If you go back and read Romans 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, you will see that God has rescued you from wrath and dominion and darkness. And he has put things in such a way that your life now matters for the glory of God. And he has promised to work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his name. And as you acknowledge what he has done for you, you are in fact hallowing his name. And your goal today when you walk out that door and go to Long John Silver's is to hallow his name. It's to hallow his name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he says, your kingdom come. I think about my friend MJ who is standing on the edge of eternity, looking in to see what does it look like to follow Jesus coming from a family background that does not worship Jesus. His grandparents did not worship Jesus. His mother and father do not worship Jesus. But MJ, my friend from Tianjin, China, is standing on the edge of the kingdom of God, and he is observing what Christians do and say and how they pray. And He's peering in, and he's investigating this. Listen, when we say, your kingdom come, we are saying, God, would your rule and reign happen in this place? Would the power of your presence happen in this place? And when I say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, what I'm asking is that the presence of God would be evident in this place. His kingdom is here this morning. And his kingdom is in your home today. His kingdom is wherever you go. Why? Because you carry the life of Jesus with you. Listen to Jesus' words about the kingdom of heaven. This is Matthew 13. He said, he told them another parable. Jesus is speaking. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. What do you hear when you hear Jesus talking about that? This tiny little seed ends up growing into what? This massive kingdom. Now think about Christianity. In an unknown field, among unknown shepherds, to an unknown teenage mother, in an unknown manger, 
with an ordinary group of animals all around. A spectacular miracle, a mustard seed of a miracle occurred. And there are billions of Jesus followers today. And there are billions more that have been made in his image and likeness that are peering in saying, what will satisfy? Who will satisfy? And I'm here to say there is no God like our God. And that mustard seed of a miracle that occurred when heaven invaded earth and Jesus was born in ordinary, unknown circumstances at just the right time, at just the right time when there was a common currency and a common road system and a shared language when the gospel would be multiplied rapidly in the days of the early church. God knew exactly what he was doing, exactly when he sent his son Jesus to take on the sin and shame of the world, to take on my sin and shame. He knew exactly what he was doing when he put that mustard seed in a manger. And billions of people profess hope in his name. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, and though it's the smallest of seeds, it grows like wild. And even today, you need to know in the darkest corners of earth, there are people so far from God seeking God in the Muslim world. The Holy Spirit is appearing to people in visions and dreams, convincing them to seek out the truth. There's a man by the name of Nabil Koresh. He's no longer living, but he said from a devout Muslim background that the God that we know and love appeared to him in visions and dreams, encouraging him to seek the truth. And Nabil Koresh did, in fact, seek the truth. And this is what happened. He said, I opened the Bible and I fell in love with the God of the Bible. He forsook his culture and his Islamic religion and he became a profound follower of Jesus. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And though it is small, it grows rapidly, so much so that birds can now perch themselves and look in. I think the kingdom of heaven is at work in your life and around your life. And Jesus describes it as powerful and moving. Listen to this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had to find it. What does that say about the kingdom of heaven? That it's worth everything, that it's worthy of sacrifice, that it's of great value, it's of highest value. Listen to this. Jesus says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that picture of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, is a bit unpleasant. But it also tells me that the kingdom of heaven is distinct. That it's not just for anyone and everyone, that the kingdom of heaven is for those that belong to the king of all kings. And in a society and in a culture that says it doesn't matter what you believe, Jesus says it actually does matter what you believe. It actually does matter what you say and what you think. It actually matters whose name you call upon for salvation. And there is no other name by which men are saved but by the name of Jesus. And so when we come around to what is it, why does it matter that we love Jesus? Because media and culture says it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you believe. And that's a lie. 
sincerity is sincerely wrong. Okay, You can be as sincere as you want, but that does not mean that you are righteous in the eyes of God. Righteousness in the eyes of God is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You continue to think about this idea of the kingdom of God. And Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, he says this, God's kingdom is present in its beginning, but still future in its fullness. Listen to that again. God's kingdom is present in its beginning, but still future in its fullness. Let me say that one more time. God's kingdom is present in its beginnings, but still future in its fullness. This is what we see in Ephesians chapter 2. Right? This is what we see in Ephesians chapter 1. This idea that we are already been made one with Him, but not yet fully realizing that. And so this is why in the gap between heaven and earth, we still experience suffering and hardship and difficulty and sin. Because although God's kingdom is present in its beginning, the fullness of it is still to come in the future. Um, Paul, when he was writing to the church, he said the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating of drinking, but of righteousness and joy and peace. That the kingdom of God is not what you eat or drink, but it's righteousness, joy, and peace. This last piece of uh, this first part of the Lord's Prayer is where I want us to end this morning. And if, if we're saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, this last part is your, your will be done. And one of the most common questions I get having worked with young adults and college students for a long time is this, what is God's will for my life? Have you ever asked that question? We all ask that question because we want to know, really, what, what's the plan? What's the deal here? And oftentimes we begin with the wrong assumption in mind. Right? We're, sometimes we ask, what is God's will for my life? Because I, I want to know because it's about me. And that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of this idea. If we begin with who God is, and his purposes, then answering the question of what is God's will for my life becomes a whole lot clearer and far more simple in its application. God's will for your life is to know him and to love him. And whatever job that takes, whatever zip code that brings you to, it doesn't really change the fact that God's will for your life is that you would know him and that you would love him. John chapter 17, Jesus says this, he says, he's praying, and he says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This, in Jesus' words, is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, and that they may know me, the one whom you have sent. Um, Philippians chapter 2, this is another thing that falls into what is God's will for my life. Listen to this. In your relationships with one another... In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I say that because one of my favorite passages of Scripture is in Revelation 4, 5, and 6. It's the picture of the throne of heaven. It's a picture of your future eternity. 
And around that throne of heaven is this spectacular description of what we were made for forever. And that would be to behold and love and glorify and honor Jesus. And God's will for my life here on earth is that I would behold and honor and glorify Jesus and all that I do and all that I say. So when I say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. What I am saying is, my Father in heaven, who is unlike any earthly father, who's unmatched, who's unrivaled in goodness, my Father in heaven, I want to honor your name in all that I do and in all that I say. I want to honor your existence, your provision, your protection, your care, your guidance, how you love me, how you care for me. I'm honoring your name. I'm hallowing your name by simply saying all the things that you have done and acknowledging in my heart what it is that you've done. And now I'm praying your kingdom, your rule, your reign, your power, your presence, your authority would be evident in and through my life today. And now I'm also asking that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will for my life is that I would participate in eternity by celebrating what God is doing in me and through me and around the world. He is building a church that's unstoppable. He is building a kingdom that will reflect the diversity of his creation. And that's God's will for my life, that I would see that and enjoy that and participate in that. And if you turn around, you see these flags. One of the great legacy of Christ's community is that they have partnered with many nations. Listen, that's the kingdom of heaven at work. You're sitting in a chair that was most likely paid for by someone other than you. That's the kingdom of heaven at work. You know, someone invested in Keith Waldrop many generations ago, and that's the kingdom of heaven at work. Someone's invested in you, and that's the kingdom of heaven worth. Keith Waldrop invested in me, gave me my first job in ministry. That's the kingdom of heaven at work. My oldest son is sitting on the front row, and he loves Jesus. That's the kingdom of heaven at work. There are people coming to a church that did not exist in Auburn six months, six months ago. That's the kingdom of heaven at work. There's the grandson of a Chinese Muslim family coming to that church, observing that people pray because they want other people to know Jesus. That's the kingdom of heaven at work. That's God's will unfolding before us. And when you leave today, I want you just to go, Lord, you are my Father in heaven, and I want to honor your name, and I want your kingdom to be evident in and through my life, and I want your will to be done in and through my life. Oh, and give me today what I need. Give me my daily bread. Also, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness that's true for me. Help me in the moments of temptation. Does that make sense? Sometimes we focus on the last part of give me what I need, help me with my struggles, instead of saying, Lord, you are perfect in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Let me honor all that is before me. Um, I'll leave you with this last verse. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's this, 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray, and if I, could, if I could interject something, pray like the Lord's Prayer <laughs> continually. He says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and this is my favorite part of it, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will for my life? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I just want to leave you with that idea today that when we pray, our Father in heaven,
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no mistake about what heaven's about. God is not going, oh, what should we do in heaven? All of heaven exalts and glorifies Jesus Christ. All of heaven, there are angels and there are living creatures covered with eyes that behold God day and night, continually saying, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. And if that's what's happening in heaven, and we're praying that that would happen here on earth as it is in heaven, then our days should somehow be spent constantly acknowledging what he's doing and what he's promised to do, that we would live out of the gratitude of abundance that he's done. And we're going to close in prayer, and I'm just going to ask in boldness if you will join me in specifically praying for MJ. He's so close. Would you just in faith join me today in praying specifically for MJ that he would cross from death to life, that he would step out of the kingdom of darkness and step into the sun's kingdom, the kingdom of light. And as we pray, I think there's great joy in remembering that God is actively at work in the lives of so many people around you, in your life, in your spheres of influence, and in mine. And so as we close out our time, let's just pray that Lord's Prayer. And then I'm asking you, if you will, join me. Would you just intercede in this moment for my friend MJ, that, that his family legacy would be radically changed today? if he would put his faith in Jesus. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, holy and special and wonderful is your name. Your kingdom, your power, your presence, your rule, your authority, your wonder, your mercy, your justice, your love, would it be evident on earth just like it is in heaven? God, would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Father, would you help us see today in our great freedom the profound purposes that you have for our lives? Father, would we lift our gaze with a smile of gratitude of what you have done for us? And Father, just in faith, because we believe your kingdom is powerful, because we believe your kingdom is evident, and because we know that you have sent your son, Jesus. Lord, we just pray right now for MJ, who has no clue that we're praying for him right now. Lord, you made him, you created him in your likeness and in your image, and Lord, you are worthy of his praise. And so, Father, right now, we just pray as a faith family, a faith community, God, that Jesus, you would become real to MJ in the days and weeks ahead and that he would put his faith in you and that not only would his life be different, but the life of his family and those that he knows in Tianjin would be different as well too. Father, we ask in faith, God, that you would bring redemption to MJ. Father, for the Christ community family, Lord, I pray, God, for the people that are touched through these dear brothers and sisters in Christ. God, that you would give Christ community and the people that are part of this precious church, God, that you would give them vision to see your kingdom come here in Montgomery as it is in heaven. And Father, I pray for anyone that's hurting, anyone that's isolated, anyone that's lonely, anyone that is discouraged. God, that your powerful presence, your kingdom presence, God, would bring healing and hope and encouragement to them. 
Father, I want to pray for Keith and Donna this morning as they rest. Lord, that you would fill their cups. Father, that you would bring renewal to their lives. Lord, that you would bring renewal to this church. Father, I pray you would pour out your blessings on the people of Christ Community Church. God, that you would give them a heart for Montgomery. That you would give them a heart for the nations that are represented here in Montgomery. And Father, I just pray that that the people of Christ Community Church, Lord, they would step into Ephesians 2.10, that they would see the good works that you have already prepared in advance, and that they would be faithful to walk in them. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here together. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you are alive, that you're at work, that you're trustworthy, and that we can always come to you. Father, I pray you would renew the way we think and pray. Father, not only because we need it, but because other people are observing whether or not we actually believe it's true. And Lord, we here today say you are very much true. You are the way and the truth and life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.